I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. What's going on, Brad? How are you? Good to see you. Good to be in presence. Oh, man. Thank you so much, man. Glad you reached out. Glad you reached out. I know you're grinding. We talked about it. Let's talk timelines. You're 30 now. Yeah. By 35, what are some must mandatories in your life by 35? By 35? Well, it's, there's some things I got into the process right now that I'm not even waiting until I'm 31. Like the book, I wrote my book in two weeks. That's coming out before I turn 30. Like that's not even like going to get close to being 31. I'm doing that within the next couple months. That's getting done. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I plan to go through uh, Game Changers. That's one thing I definitely have my eyes set on. So ET, if you listen to this, like anybody else that's attached to ETA, I'm coming. And I promise you that with everything that I love, it's always been on my mind ever since I've heard of Game Changers, ever since Mike Nelson told me about it, ever since Kendall told me about the program, ever since I had a conversation with Nikki and said, hey, man, what is this about? Like, I need to know about it. And she's like, you know what? I mean, let me talk to you, help you out a little bit. I said, okay, you know, I'm all bright eyed like a doe sitting there like a deer in front of headlights trying to just get all the information that I can. I'm like a little kid because when it comes to my career and when it comes to my passion, when it comes to this right here, this is what I love. I can do this all day. I can talk about this all day. So there's certain things that I got to get done. And that's one of them. And, and to be a more consistent speaker as far as traveling and just speaking all over. You know, not just being local, because that happens a lot. People just become local, become local celebrities. And I don't want that. I want to impact as many people as I possibly can. If that means I got to come to your country, I'm coming. I'll get on the plane. And I've never been on the plane, but I'll get over that fear to get to you. Mm, Come on. Because there's something more important on the other side. Yeah. I I realize there's something more important on the other side of fear. So I'm not scared of anything anymore. It's like, okay, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to go in? You know, I talk to the creator about it all the time. So listen, whatever you want, I am your vehicle. I am your vessel. So whatever it is that you see fit for me, just put me in the right situation and I'll make it happen for you. Like, you don't have to feel like, I don't know if I can put this burden on Brad and he handle it. I will find a way to get through it because this is what you said. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about this because I, I definitely have seen the commitment change in your life. Now, let's speak to millennials. Let's speak to 21 to 30 year olds based on just some of the blind spots in your life. Some of the things that you know just caught you off guard, the punches you didn't see coming. Yeah. But there's times where, again, some people don't have that support and they might be doing well. They might you know, be on offense right now. They might be making money right now. But right. that blind spots coming, that tax bill, that uh, loan that they forgot about or that death in the family, that breakup. I've been talking to a couple of brothers who went through a breakup within the last two weeks and it has derailed their life. Talk Mm -hmm. about the blind spots. Like how do you navigate those moments and how do you counterpunch when you get caught with that perfect hook on the chin? So for me, I I went through a a situation where, like I said, I, I I recently went through a phase where I was like, okay, enough is enough time to really get serious. But that wasn't one of those situations where it was like, oh my God, this is earth shaking. It was one of those just refocusing type things. But the thing that shook me, that rocked me was, it was only a couple of years ago, I was in a relationship with a young lady and she was a good person. Her heart was in the right place. So 
I'm not going to say that she was the reason for the problem. And that's the thing that a lot of us do. We put the blame on the female. We say that she was the issue. She was the reason why I couldn't get to this and do this and that. No, it was my fault. It was, I wasn't the man that I was supposed to be. And because of that, it caused issues. We had communication problems. It caused the issue as far as the trust factor. And it wasn't because I was stepping out on her. She couldn't trust me as far as being a provider. And that's even worse. So I was like, you know what? There's certain things that I've got to change about my life in order for me to put myself in the situation that I want to be. I can't keep calling myself a man if I'm not doing the things that men do and men provide. And I had to take a step back and realize, yo, all this stuff you're doing right now, this is all for nothing. This is just for show. I had some money. Like I was always good with working in sales. So I've always been good with the mouthpiece. And I've been able to build the trust factor and help people to be on my side when it came to certain things. So getting money wasn't so much of an issue. The problem was being able to go to sleep at night. When I was selling things I had no business selling to people, I had no business selling it to. And it's terrible because sometimes you get to that breaking point where you're like, yo, I don't want to go to sleep at night because I don't want to wake up. Okay. Because I don't want to go back to what I've been doing. I don't want to spend another day doing the same thing, not living my life the way it's supposed to be lived, not living in my purpose and letting the pain that I've dealt with in my past consume me. Like I literally had a conversation with her and she was like, yo, okay, let, let's talk about what it is that you really want to do with your life. Like, c- come on, let, let's talk. Because she was one of those people, she was goal oriented. She was getting to the things that she wanted in her life. So I was always like, you know, I always commended her for that. So I was like, that was great. But when it came to me, I didn't have that in order. I didn't have that mm-hmm. set up for myself. I, that was an issue for me. I, I had a real issue with that. So she said, okay, what are we, we going to do? And I'm like, okay. I got to the point where I'm like, yo, I think I could be a motivational speaker. And she was like, and you know, you could see it when like, their head just drop. Mm-hmm. The air, all the air comes out, their body is, okay, come on. Because she, first it was, all right, you want to do insurance. You want to be a football player. You want to be this. You want to be that. You want to sell this. You want to work for Verizon. You want to like juggling all this stuff and ain't catching nothing. Wow. It rocked me because it was like, it kind of hit me to my core because it was like, it kind of, I felt that like as a man, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I felt like you no longer could support me. Like you did all that you could. Like you were around. You like I did the MLM, the multi-level marketing, the Vima. I did the Amway, the uh, prepaid legal. I, I tried them all. I tried them all chasing money. And it, it wasn't it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And yeah. it showed. It yeah. showed. Because anything done in the dark always comes to the light. Because if you're doing something for the wrong reasons, you're not going to get far. You're not going to get far. So how did you start on that journey to make sure your intentions were pure? Because I think many times we're not walking into rooms or conversations asking this question, what is my intention? Am I really here to serve? Am I here to just earn a check? Mm -hmm. How did you start to get clarity around that? Not saying one is higher priority than the other. If you're there to earn money, you're there to earn money. Right. But you talked about having this scattered focus and now your laser focus, something I really believe in, just getting laser focus on what the target is in front of you. So what did you do to integrate all of these choices into a more stable place of what is my intention? Right. So the first thing I did was, and it came after that conversation with her, because toward the end of that conversation, she said, I don't think you can do this. Mm. Like she lost all faith in me as far as being a provider. And she still loved me and wanted to be around. But as a man, I had to make a decision. 
and I had to end that relationship. Wow. And so I ended the relationship to stop hurting her, to stop disappointing her so she could go on and get whatever it was that she was looking for. This is probably another man that was out there for her who Mm. was further along in life. Mm. And who am I to keep her captive? And hold her there in that situation is like, yo, it's something else that you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be with somebody else who could probably help you along. Or maybe you need some time to yourself. And yeah. I know I definitely need some time to myself to fix things. Yeah, let me so ask you this. How long did it take you to, one, make that decision and then to heal from what that must have felt like as mm-hmm. you let someone go who you just a few moments ago shared that they were a great person, but it definitely was your lack of maturity and focus that stopped you from truly accepting all they had to bring to the table. Right. Speed kills. I did it right after that conversation. Oh, wow. It hurt bad because I knew it it hurts 10 times worse when the other person isn't the problem. Mm. When you have to actually say, yo, I'm ruining things. I'm ruining everything I touch. And in order for this to stop, I've got to fix me. So I immediately ended the relationship. I told her, you know, we were actually living together and everything. I said, listen, I'll give you some time to, you know, do what you need to do to get all your stuff together. But this has to end. Mm. So that was the end of the relationship. And I just took time to work on myself. And the very first thing that I did was I, built, I started building on my connection with the creator. Mm. I said, listen, I need to talk to you right now. And let's figure this out. What am I doing wrong with our connection? Because Apparently, I've been led astray. So I built on that connection. I worked on that. And I just kept on grinding. I kept on working. And the funny thing about it is when I got focused and I became consistent with what it was that I wanted to do with my life, things changed and people came into my life that I never thought would. Literally, I started getting focused and I found Mike Nelson. Mm. I found him and I sent him a message. I saw one of his posts. I said, yo, he's doing what I want to be doing. He's around my age. Yo, let, I need to talk to him. I, action, speed kills. I sent the DM. Mike, I need to talk to you. Hey, bro, can you help me out? Hey, let me introduce you to, the, to my mentor. Boom, got me in contact with Kendall. At the time, you know, because when you're trying to do something good with your life, that's when all the bad stuff starts happening. <laughs> you know, I let go of the job that I had working in insurance. I, I let all my licenses lapse that I had because I said, if I'm going to move forward, I'm going to let go of everything I had in the past. Mm. I had all those licenses lapsed so I could not go back. I kept on moving forward. And then I went to the store one day, swiped my card so I can buy something for my father and everything was declined. I looked at my bank account. I had all zeros in my account. I was like, what is this? I'm working five days a week. I'm working 40 hours. Why don't I have any money in my account? Called up my bank. Yeah, you got to lean on your account. For what? Oh, you, feel, you had a loan, this, this, and that, blah, blah, blah. And they want their money right now. So we're taking every dime that you got. So when I met Kendall Ficklin, a lot of people don't know this. When I met Kendall and talked to him over the phone, I said, I don't have any money. Like, I can't even keep the money in my account. Kendall said, well, that's what they made Green Dot cards for. There's always a way. Mm. So I got up. I got in my car. I drove down to the nearest Walmart. I got me a green dot card and I put $50 on that card. And I said, hey, $49.99, go ahead and take that off my card. Let's get it rolling. Wow. And that was the beginning of it. And Kendall talked to me like, as if he was my father. Mm. And he got me right. He got me with like, that was G-Men before G-Men. And he got me moving in the right direction. He made me understand like, yo, I know you hurting right now. I know you're dealing with a rough patch, but it's not the end. You're not dead. Mm. 
feeling pain, if you if you're still feeling pain, it means you're still alive. Yeah. And if you're still alive, you still got blood pumping through your body. If you still got air going through your lungs, that means you still have a chance. So get up and stop feeling sorry for yourself and make it happen. Step by step by step. And I worked on it. And like I would get on the calls with Kendall and I'd be frustrated because I wasn't getting it right when I was speaking. And I couldn't get anybody to let me come speak in their schools. And I was knocking on these doors and people were shutting me down. Oh, you don't look the part. Oh, this. Oh, that. We don't like your message. This, that. We don't know who you are. You don't have any credibility. You haven't been through this. You haven't been through that. You don't make enough money. And I'm like, yo, Mm. I swear when somebody gives me the opportunity, when somebody gives me the chance to go out and speak, I'm going to approach it as if it is the last opportunity I have in my life. And if I don't make it, if I don't become successful, it's not going to be because of the lack of effort. It's going to be because, Brad, this just is not your gift. Mm. And you got to keep searching for it. And thank God I was actually able to do that. And I kept on working. I was persistent. And it worked out for me. And it put me in the situation where I currently am now. I'm a paid speaker. I have my own LLC. I got my website. You know, I got my own brand. Yeah, yeah. I have a group of people, a community, ETA, Grandation. You know, I've got gentlemen like you in my life. I can call, I can contact you just to say, hey, how are you doing? It was everything all right. Is there any way that I can help you? Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. Now, I believe colors convey a lot of uh, deeper meaning. And you chose the strength of black. You framed it with silver and white at times. What, why those colors? What do they mean to you? And what should people understand when they see your uh, website, your logo, and um, just a lot of your merchandise. So the color black, it's not because, uh, you know, I'm trying to bring back the Black Panther Party or anything like that. It's it's nothing like that. It's just, I know the color black, it represents power. You know, it represents strength. It represents royalty. And I've always been one of those people where, you know, I want to look the part. I want to feel. So it, I know you've heard the saying from Deion Sanders before, you know, if you look good, you feel good. When you feel good, you play good. Yeah. You know, when you play good, they pay good. When you pay good, you're going to eat good. You eat good, you're going to die good. So I live by the motto. I live by it. And I try to step out the house. I've got all black on. And it's not because I'm trying to intimidate anybody. It's just because of the simple fact that that's where that confidence comes from. I love wearing all black. I love the way it makes me feel. Now, the second reason has absolutely nothing to do with that portion of it, like the culture or the power of the, you know, the color black or my ancestors or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. I actually got wearing all black from, I'm sorry, it was Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. Mm. It's called the monotonous wardrobe. So I figured I don't want to spend too much time worrying about things that aren't important. Like what I wear, that's not important. I literally, I've got a million black V-necks. <laughs> like, I've got, I've got all, all my hats are black. All my joggers, my sweatpants, my jeans—they're all black. My sneakers are all black. Like if I showed you my shoe rack, it's all black. I can literally take the phone and show you the shoe rack right there. Everything black. Nice. And it's nice. Because my wife, she, uh, she's always loved wearing black too. And you know, people thought she was with that as well as far as Black Panther, all that stuff. Thought she might have been uh, Muslim or whatever the case may be. She's like, no, I just love the color. So I just love the way it makes me feel. So when we step out, we're all black. Mm. <laughs> it just is what it is. It's like it wasn't planned. It's just the way that it works out. And she knows that I love to wear all black because I pick out an outfit like that. Where are we going? Okay. I, do, I got a shirt for that. I got pants for that. I got, I got shoes for that. We're good. What did you learn playing football, training to play football, pushing yourself to be great at football that you take into your life each day? Two things. 
two very important things. And I learned them from my coach at Kane University, Coach Dan Garrett. So I, I love him to death. He's like another father figure in my life because he was one of those people who was no nonsense. He was really about the work is what will get you seen. Mm -hmm. like they talked about that all the time. Your effort will get you seen on film. So just work hard. He's like, cool. And one of the first things that they told us when we got to camp is this is about family. And we're like, oh, yeah, family, cool. Yeah, 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 family, football team. Yeah, I got that. They're like, no, 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 no. You don't mean family the way we mean family. I'm mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? He said, over here, family is an acronym. It means something. So be like, okay, so what does it mean? Forget about me. I love you. One more time. <laughs> family is an acronym. It means forget about me. I love you. That's what you use for the brotherhood, for family. That's what it really means. Wow. Right? It always means that I'm looking out for the next man. Like I'm lined up with you and I know that you got a job to do. I got a job to do. And I'm sure you completely understand because, you know, you're a veteran and you were out there on that battlefield. Mm -hmm. And everybody had to know what they were doing. Every Like literally someone's life was on the line. Now, I know it's not as serious with playing football, but to a certain extent, your life was on the line when you were out there playing with me. Yeah. Because if I'm out there playing and I don't do what I'm supposed to do and relay the signals to you, I can get you knocked out. Yep, yep, yep. Come on. Generalized, all right? So I was always that person that was like, yo, what are we doing? What is the call? Like, communicate. Let me know what I'm supposed to be doing let, so I can let you know what you're supposed to be doing so I can make sure that even if the play goes bad and we're not, we don't come out on the better end of it, you're still safe. We can get up and line up again, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was always family, just thinking about the next man before yourself. You mm -hmm. know, and that was a huge thing for me. Or for us, you know, we're playing football. So that's always been my style of play as well. Like, I've never been the person, like, I play corner. I've never been the person to sell out and always just try to jump routes and get interceptions. Mm. I'd rather set up my safety where you can get an easy interception and I get the receiver out the way for you. Right. And I give you a lane and maybe you can score. That was my thing. Now, the second thing that we went over uh, over at King University with me playing football was 212, 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. As we know, that's the boiling point for water. And we always talked about that 1% change because water doesn't boil at 211. Mm. It will not, it will be warm, kind of hot, but it's not going to boil. And you can do so much with boiling water. Like that warm water, you can't do the same with that warm water that you can do with that boiling water. Like you can have steam engines, that type of stuff. You can, you know, boil eggs, you know, like different things like that, all different types of recipes that you can come up with boiling water. Yeah. They let us know that 1% change, that one thing that you focus on and changing that day, you know, that can make a difference. You know, we're talking about inch by inch, yard by yard, when you're trying to get these first downs and touchdowns and you're scraping and scratching and fighting your way to win the game at the end of the day. And that's the same way I look at life. Mm. It's the same exact way that I look at life. Every day that I get up and I'm tired and I don't want to work, I work these double shifts and I got to go out and speak and I'm, I'm here, I'm there. But when I get... If there's one person in the room or if it's a thousand, I'm still on 10 when you see me because you need it. Yeah. I don't know if this one interaction is what it's going to take to take you where you need to get to. If it was this one conversation, what you needed to change the whole trajectory of your life. Could I possibly be the reason? I'm not saying I'm a messiah. I'm not saying I'm the best in the game. I'm not saying I'm this professional. But what I am saying is I might be in a situation that's just a little bit better than yours. And if that's the case, then maybe I can help you get past the hurdles and the bumps in the road and stop you from, oh, I don't know, drinking tonight. Come on. Drugs tonight. Go get in an argument with your significant other. 
help you to be a better parent today and see things from your child's eyes because things aren't the same. Yep. yep. Things are different. So it's just a matter of trying to help people to realize that the little things become the bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way. Mm, I love that. You know, and I think, you know, at times we forget that everything that is in our life that we value and we've learned to value, we've been taught. And at times we're the teachers. And if we betray that moment to teach, to love, and I love the acronym that you gave us for family, if we forget to focus on others, you know, we can betray unlocking in them what someone unlocked in us. Now, I'm on your Instagram quite often, and you have two books that I find must reads. You have The Magic of Thinking Big uh, mm-hmm. by David Swartz and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Now, while many people suggest these books, I think for everyone, there are some hidden truths that resonated so deeply in you that it helped you expand. And I think they are in soul alignment, the magic of thinking big, think and grow rich. You know, the underlying theme, what are you feeding yourself? What are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. What what do those books mean to you? And why was it so important for you to share them with the world? Mm. Well, someone once said a long time ago, if you ever want to hide knowledge and information from people, put it in a book, Mm. put it in a book. And I was always that person where I was like, I don't want to read. I don't want to read. Like I was in special ed classes. So being out loud and stuff like that, that wasn't one of my weakest points, but just because I was in special ed classes, it made me feel like every area that, you know, I was in, I was weak. Uh. I mean, like everything that I did, I was weak in. So that's why it would force me to like overcompensate in certain areas. Like I, when I played sports, I tried to be the best that I possibly could. Like when I would do stuff with my dad, I tried to help him out as best I could or mm. just be the best version of myself in all other aspects because I didn't feel like school was it. So. With Thinking Grow Rich and some of these other books that I've read, it's one of those things where it forces you to actually think and to stop just letting things happen. Like another book that we went over was Outwin the Devil. And that was literally hands down one of the best books I've ever read in my life because it was one of those things that it made you realize that you spend a lot of idle time thinking about a whole bunch of nothing Mm. and not acting on anything. You know, you might have some good ideas and then you don't even act on it. So who cares if you're right or wrong in the actions, but you got to do something. At least if you if you do something and it doesn't turn out right, you now have a blueprint. You know, you now understand, oh, OK, I did this wrong. Like with me writing my book, I didn't try to wait until I did it perfectly. I just sat down every night and started typing and grammatical errors, all that stuff, run on sentences. I don't care. The editor has to figure that part out. I'm doing my part. Come on. I'm doing my part. My part is to take the information and put it down on paper so that they can do what they're supposed to do. Like, that's not my lane. I'm not supposed to be over there in that lane. I can't do it all. But what I can do is focus everything that I have on this right here. And that's what those books teach you. They teach you to stay focused because it's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to see what one person is doing. You're like, oh, that looks good. They're making money. Let me jump into real estate. Oh, mm. oh, let me go over here. They're selling cars. Let me jump into that. Oh, they're doing insurance. Here, let me jump into that. I can make my, oh, here goes a new multi-level marketing company. I think I can get into that if I, you know, I can make a lot of money with that if I get in early. It's like, no, bro, just find, find what it, you're supposed to be doing with your life. Mm. Find your purpose. Mm. Like, you keep running, like, I, I'll probably say this to my dying day. Like, a man is never going to be fulfilled in his life until he figures out what his purpose is. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to actually love my wife or, you know, or anybody else the way that I was supposed to mm-hmm. and give all that I was supposed to give 
until I figured out what my purpose was. I figured out what lane I was supposed to be in so that I could give it everything that I have to the point where if I die doing it, I'll die happy. That's big. That's big. Let me ask you this. There's a photo of you holding up a championship trophy at the level of football you were playing. And one of the challenges I have when I train people is that if you ask better questions, you get better answers. So I don't really care about the trophy or the championship or the work that it took to get there. I want to know what did the day after feel like? You accomplished it. You had that big moment. But now is the day after that moment. What did that look like? What did it feel like? And how did that start you on the journey to where you're at today? Tom Brady once said, because he was asked a question similar to that, he said, what's your favorite championship? You know, what's your favorite ring, favorite trophy? He said the next one. Like I've always, like, I have a couple championships under my belt and the next one always feels sweeter. Now, the funny thing about it is what let me know that being a effective communicator was the avenue that I was supposed to be in was my, was where I was supposed to be was because I got the same butterflies in my stomach when I would get ready to go out to speak that I would when I was going to get ready to play football. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, and with football, it wasn't because I was scared of the opponent. I could care less. I could care less about who I'm about to play against. It was that I didn't want to let anybody down. I didn't, I didn't want to let my teammates down. Like I, like I already knew I was undersized, that type of thing. And I had a lot going against me so physically, yeah. but my heart, that was something like you would never be able to make me quit. I don't care how hurt I am. I don't care how beat up I am. I don't care how many times we've caught a catch them. You will never make me quit. You will never be able to say, yo, I made him quit. You're crazy. Listen, either we're going to finish this thing, you know, and you're going to have some respect for me at the end of this thing when it's all said and done, or I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <laughs> That's it. That's all there is to it. But you're never going to sit there and say, yo, I made you quit. You're never going to be able to hold that over my head. I will not allow it. I wasn't raised like that. My last name is Butler. Mm. I say that proudly. My last name is Butler, Brad Butler II. And the reason why I say that is because I grew up with my father in my life. And when you have a father figure and you have somebody that cares about you know, their son, they raise you to understand that you, you carry that name with pride. So whatever I do, that's the way I look at it. As far as the work that was, you know, how I felt afterwards, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, what's next? So for me at this point in my life, what's next is I'm trying to get to the championships as far as me being a speaker, mm. as far as being a husband. Mm. As far as being a good man, I haven't gotten those championships yet. I, I got to get those rings. You know, I got to get the accolades for that. I don't have that yet. So right now, I've done, I've done well as an athlete. That's great, cool. But I'm not. I'm not in the NFL. They're not going to remember me for that. But what they will remember me for is being a good man, being good, uh, a good person in the community, mm-hmm. going out and speaking passionately and speaking life into people. Mm-hmm. And so, They'll remember me because of the fact that my father was a drug dealer and for every life that he took when he was a drug dealer, that I inspired, motivated, and, you know, empowered to bring bring life back. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting dichotomy of the shift in generations. Same name, uh, same DNA in some parts, but a turn in legacy now. Do you really believe this? The key is to keep company only with people who uplift you. Why would you want to spend time with people who want to see you fail? I mean, my mom told me a long time ago, like, if you hang out with a whole bunch of losers, you're going to be the next one. Like, so what are you doing? Like, you got to stay around people that are positive, people that are going to uplift you, people that are doing more. Because if you're the smartest person in your group, you need a new group. Mm. And I've always been, listen, I come from special ed classes. Don't let the special ed kid beat you. 
<laughs> don't let the special ed kid beat you because that's the way I look at it. I'm like, because the way that they wrote me off when I was younger, I wasn't supposed to have a, I wasn't supposed to get a bachelor's degree in business management. I'm not supposed to own a business. Mm. I'm not supposed to be on stage speaking and getting paid for it. Mm. That's mm. supposed to be happening for me. Yeah. But my thing is, my imagination is not limited to your reality. Just because you think this is how it's supposed to be, that doesn't mean it's, that's how it has to play out. I have control over my life. And one of the biggest things that I have control over is who I decide to spend my time with. Yep, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Now, tell me about a time when, even knowing this truth, you chose not to apply it. And what did it lead to? I'll tell you this. You can run from your passion. You can run for your gifts all you want. But you ain't that fast. You can work out all you want. You ain't that fast. You say Bolt couldn't beat it. But if there's something that you're supposed to be doing with your life, every person, every person in the world, there's a gift that you have. There's a purpose that you have for your life that you are supposed to be walking in. You're supposed to be work, walking in that purpose. And like I said, you're not that fast that you can get away from it. The longer you try to run from it, the more difficulties you're going to have in life. Because you're always going to feel like there's this empty spot, there's this vacant hole in your heart that you're not doing what you were meant to do in life. Like, you're not doing what you were called for. And I, and I always wondered what that feeling was because I didn't understand it when I was dealing with it. I just knew something wasn't right. I knew something wasn't right within my life. I'm like, yo, there's something missing. I'm supposed to be doing something. I always had this daydream. I tell people about it. I had this daydream when I was a younger kid. And I would get yelled at in school for it all the time. They're like, yo, Brad, stop stop daydreaming. What are you doing? Like, pay attention. And it wasn't that I wasn't paying attention or I didn't want to pay attention. It's just this image that I kept seeing over and over and over again. And it was me standing on the stage with these bright lights shining on me. And there was an audience of people out there watching me. Now, the confusion came in because I did not know what they were, why they were there, why they were there to right. see me. What was I doing on that stage? Right. Like, I didn't know if I was singing, I was dancing, I was rapping. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I was on the stage. And those people were there to see me. Mm. And I was one of those people where I was like a jack of all trades and a master of none. So I could sing, I could dance, I could play football. Mm -hmm. I, like, I could do a whole bunch of different things. So it just pulled me a whole bunch of different directions. And I never actually stood flat footed and said, this is my thing. Wow. This is what I do. I never told people, this is what I do. I always said, oh, yeah, I, I play football. I can sing. I, I can dance. I never said, I'm a speaker. I never said, this is what I do. This is what I was born to do. This is my gift. This is my purpose. And when you start talking like that, people believe it. People believe it when you say, yo, this is what I do. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. And you start shutting down some of the other stuff too. Like people will say, oh, hey, well, I know you're a speaker, but can you come do, no, I just told you, that's not what I do. You start shutting stuff down. You start saying no to stuff. Yeah. Because I ain't got no business touching this or that. This is what I do. And I'm gonna ride until the wheels fall off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something else you said that resonates well with me is the man who has no purpose is a slave to his surroundings. And again, you shared the dichotomy of two generations, the choices your father made, the choices you're making. How have you stayed so connected to your purpose that you make sure that the things, again, that you saw and the things that you caught being around certain environments didn't enslave you? Like it does so many men and women from certain communities or from certain backgrounds or from certain families? Mm. Well, the one thing I can say is that I had a lot of support from my mother, my father, and my sister. So 
my mom was always that person that would say, whatever it is that you, you're going to do, whatever decisions that you're going to make, you better be ready to deal with the consequences. Like, you just better be like, listen, I'm not going to tell you a million times, don't do that. Yeah. Sooner or later, I'm going to let you figure it out on your own, and I'm going to let you just deal with the consequences. Because right. it's the only way you're going to learn. And with my father, my father would tell me the stories of everything that he went through and all the ups and downs and stuff like that. And I believe he was using it as a way to indirectly say, okay, here are the pros and here are the cons. Listen, make a decision, but I'm not telling you that you need to pick this one over here because I did this and this is where I, I ended up. And not saying that my father ended up in a terrible position, but what I will say is that karma comes back around. Now, my father was a high-ranking drug dealer. He sold drugs for many, many years. He owned three of the blocks in Jersey City. And he did that for many, many years. And then he finally stopped when he got incarcerated. When he came out, I asked my father not to sell drugs anymore because I didn't want him to go back to jail. So being a good man, he decided that he was going to make that decision and not sell drugs anymore. Mm-hmm. Then he became a blue-collar worker. He was always good with working with his hands. So later on in life, my father actually ended up having a brain aneurysm when I was a senior in high school. Mm. So like I said, like that, that karma comes full circle. As you like, sometimes you got to pay for that. Mm. Like that karma didn't hit you before. Just wait, it's coming. You got to wait on it. You're like you can't, it's no way for you to put all that negativity into the world and think that some of it's not coming back to you. Mm. So it was rough because it rocked him because he was what, 50 years old when it happened. And he had the brain aneurysm. He had, um, to be placed in a, um, a medical induced coma for three months. Wow. Now, because of the fact that my father worked out, he's a big advocate on uh, working out and staying in shape, which is why I always try to make sure that, you know, I'm doing something to keep myself fit. Right. It did so much damage to his body, but he'd been working out every day of his life for the mm-hmm. most part, working out five days a week. That's what, that was just part of his regimen. And he was always one of those dudes who were, you know, he was swole, he wore hoodies and stuff like that. Cause he didn't want, you know, have arms out and stuff and you know, intimidate people. That was his thing. And his body was able to withstand all the trauma because he had the muscle mass to deal with it. Now, once he got out of that coma, he woke up. He was like 50 pounds lighter and he was 200 pounds before solid muscle. He was like, yeah, he dropped down dramatically in weight and he had to learn how to read, write, walk, talk. He had to learn how to do all these things all over again. And it was a humbling experience for him, for him him to have to hand me (laughs) the mail or hand me a book and say, what does this mean? I don't understand this word. I can't remember. Who is this person in this picture? I, I can't remember who they are. Mm. Like, how, do, how do I get to the store again? I don't know how to get there. And we've been living in that neighborhood for 16 years. It was humbling. He couldn't remember. And one of his pride and joys was his, him being able to work with his hands. He couldn't remember how to use a hammer. He couldn't remember how to use a drill. He couldn't remember how to do any of those things anymore. And Luckily, the memory came back over time. Over time, it started to come back. And then one day, boom, it clicked. And he had everything. Everything came back. He remembered it all at once. It was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. It was just one of those things where it was like, okay, you've got to kind of atone for those sins. Mm. I got to break you all the way down and build you back up. Mm. I know you've heard of uh, Bill Break Bill before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's interesting, and I thank you for sharing that personal story. I think many people, without knowing it, Expect to live a life without suffering. Expect to live a life without challenges and without pain, without fights, without being tried or tested. I'm one of those people who prefer the times of testing. Mm -hmm. Times of peace are great. The times of leveling up are amazing. But in testing trials, I think you get so focused and so clear about what should be in your life. 
and about what shouldn't be in your life. And as I listen to you, I realize that you're very clear that family is important to you. You're very clear of its importance. You give us the acronym earlier. Now, some people have estranged relationships with family members, especially children, um, young adults. What do you typically share with them as they you know, struggle maybe to forgive? They really went through some horrific childhood events, financially, emotionally, sometimes physically. How do you help them reset so that maybe they don't connect with that past family member, but they don't betray future family members, spouses, significant others, children, because they have this area that they're so afraid to address? How do you usually help them to accept that there is a way forward? Really, the only way to get past it and to deal with it is that you got to let it go. You got whatever it is, whatever it is that was holding you back, whatever those memories were, you have to let them go. You have to stop letting them control you because when you hold on to those memories, you hold on to those painful thoughts so much that it causes paralysis. Mm. Like you're not moving. You can't make the next move. You can't. It's only hurting you because that other person is out there living their life. Yeah. Living their life. Just, you know how women say living the best life. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I can't do that. And I did it for a while where, you know, I'm in special ed classes and I blame the teachers. I blame my mom for not saying anything. I blame my dad for, you know, not telling me or help, being able to help me out. Or, you know, I blame this person for this or that, whatever the case may be. I blame my coaches for putting me in this situation. Blah, blah, blah. Man, listen, I have full control over almost everything that I do and I say and I think. And when you get to the point where you start actually paying attention to what you're thinking, realizing that you have more control than you think you do, yeah, things start to change for you. And they really do. And like they honestly start to change for you because you realize, yo, if I don't like something, I don't have to partake in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't like something, I can change it. And if I can't change it, I can change the way I think about it. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think it was clear because you know I paid attention when you said you asked your dad to make a choice. And I think, again, from an income standpoint, from a impact and influence standpoint, that choice was definitely a hard choice. But I can see where your drive and thrive for family comes from, because when he looked at his family, making that choice was a lot easier than many of us would imagine it was. And then you took us through that journey of, I guess, the karma and the setbacks. And then you showcased that there was that will to fight and that will to find life again. And that showed up. And I think at times we don't hear enough of the story to understand that it's worth continuing to go through and to grow through and to find what tomorrow brings and embrace it. Now, what do people need to know about you? People who need to bring you in to speak, people who need to just connect with you maybe on Instagram or Facebook or visit your website to just learn about what you're doing. What do they need to know? What are some of your differentiators? You know, there's a a myriad of amazing people out here, but there's only one Brad Butler II. What do we need to know about you? Absolutely. What you need to know about me is that what you're getting when you get somebody that's genuine and absolutely passionate about what they do. Like, I love what I do. Like, you hire me, you know you found somebody that literally loves what they do. Even though it's rough going through the grind right now, you know, what I'm doing, you know, all like early mornings, late nights, all that crazy stuff. 
at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. Have it any other way. I don't want anybody handing me anything. Like I want to know that I, I got this off the muscle. Like I went out and I grinded and I put in the work and I earned everything that I have. And you're getting somebody who is going to not necessarily tell the kids what they want to hear, but tell them what they need to hear and bridge that gap that it's so hard for the faculty members to get to those students to be able to relate to them. It's tough. It's tough, because, and especially in some situations in the urban areas, because some of the, the faculty members that they bring in, they might not have grown up in those same situations. So sometimes you need somebody who has, listen, I ate syrup sandwiches. I drank sugar water. <laughs> like I lived on Martin Luther King Drive in Jersey City. Bro, I lived on top of a bodega. I, ate, I had 50 cent juices, quarter juices and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> like I was there. You know, I went to PS34. <laughs> you know, I, I relate to them. And then on the flip side of it, I know what it's like to be in the suburban area. And for some people to have, you know, they kind of were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. And they're like, oh, man, this is so hard. I'm like, mm, it's not that hard, bro. It's not as hard as you think it is. Just keep on going. Like, you might be dealing with a rough patch, but you all right. You're going to make it through this. There's some real situations out there that you've never seen before. Like, I, I talked to one gentleman once, and I was going through my go-through, struggling, you know, doing my sales thing. And I was out, and I had this thing when I was out in the field as a sales rep, because uh, I did door-to-door sales, that I refused to eat until I made a sale. So I would wake up in the morning, I didn't eat breakfast, none of that. By the time we actually got to the office, it was 12 o'clock, so I didn't eat lunch either. And we would go out to the field, and that would be around like 3 o'clock. So I'm going through my entire day, basically, and I haven't eaten anything. I made the decision I'm not going to eat anything at all until I make a sale. So I was talking to this dude one day. And I'm like, mm, man, this is a rough day. I'm actually kind of I'm not hungry right now. I'm dealing with some hunger pains. And he was like, what's a hunger pain? I was like, you know, when you haven't eaten for a long period of time, your stomach starts hurting real bad. You know, mm. he was like, no, I don't know what that is. I said, end the conversation. We're not talking no more. <laughs> me and you don't need to be near each other no more because what that tells me is, if you don't know what it's like to be hungry, and I mean that you know literally and figuratively, if you don't know what it's like to be hungry, then you don't need to be in my circle. Mm. You really don't need to be a part of my circle because I know what it's like to be hungry figuratively and literally. So that means I got to go get it. And mm. I know that the only way that I'm going to eat is if I go out and hunt and kill. You eat what you kill. I love that. I love that. All right, Big Red. I'm challenged by your energy. I'm challenged by your insight. But what I know from life is that it's what we go through that allows us to acquire all the wisdom, experience, passion, and purpose that drives us. And I'd like you to close with this. If you were talking to your 18-year-old self, but right when you turned 18, not 18 going on 19, like 17, you just turned 18, and you were you, still a little bit cautious, but excited about life all the same. What did you need to hear and just say that for us? If I could go back and talk to my 18-year-old self, first thing I'd say is, because that was actually when my father had his brain aneurysm when I was a senior in high school. So I say, you are right in thinking that your father's not going to die. Because throughout the whole ordeal, I was the only person the entire time when anybody would ask me, hey, are you all right? Are you okay? Like, you need anything? I was like, I'm fine. I don't need nothing. My father's going to make it. Mm. I never once believed that my father was going to die. And I can't tell you why. I can't give you a a specific reasoning for it, but I knew my father wasn't going to die. So that was that. I'm like, hey, listen, you okay. Don't worry about it. 
you're right. Whatever it is, and I'm not going to, if I went back in time, I wouldn't deliberately tell him, but I'd say, listen, you're right. What you're feeling right now, you're right. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Keep the faith. Keep on going. It's going to be fine. Uh, the second thing would probably be, because that's when I dealt with my first heartbreak. Because I shortly after that, um, I ended up breaking up with my um, high school sweetheart. She broke up with me. And one thing that my mom always told me, she said, there's one thing I wish that I could go through for you is your first heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that you don't, like, it hits you like a ton of bricks because it's something you've never felt before. And you don't know how to deal with it. The pain can consume you. So what I'd say in that sense is you're stronger than you think you are. Like, keep on pushing through it, and each day is going to get better and better and better for you. So just keep on moving forward. And also, start talking. Like, you got a voice, so you need to start using it right now. I love that. I love that. So belief, believe what you know to be true. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you're stronger than you think you are. Mm -hmm. Brad, it's always amazing to connect with you and talk to you. I know we don't talk enough. I know you're grinding. I appreciate your, you know, you always staying in contact, you're reaching out. I want to make sure people know how to connect with you. B-R-A-D-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S.com. Connect with Brad, B-Rad, you know, follow him on IG. You know, there's not a lot of people I would recommend for speaking and what they say they want to do. I believe, just like you, we hunt, we farm, we eat what we kill. But to the listeners to the veteran leaders community, to my audience, for a change of pace, someone who really, what well, you're 30 now, yep. I definitely can see you doing this at 70. Oh, you know? boy. oh I definitely boy. can see you doing this at 70. Someone who believes that not only they're built for it, but they're willing to go the distance. You know, I think a lot of people fall in that category, like you said, it's a hot space. They want to get in, they want to earn, They want to learn, grow, but they also want to leave. Mm. And just from growing with you, learning from you, you just want to serve. And I just believe that the greatest among us will always serve. And if you continue to serve, that you will be one of the tops in the industry because you're committed to all that the process feels like, even those 20 or 21 hour days. So I appreciate, you know, just taking some time out of your schedule to share share your heart and also your wisdom and experience. And I definitely want people to connect with you. International, you've heard him. He said, if he has to get on the plane to come speak to you, he's coming. Nationally, if you need him out in Cali or Seattle, where I'm at, connect with him, head over to his website, his Instagram, reach out. He's busy, but I know he always responds. He's very um, mobile. Him and his team, they're very responsive as well. So I definitely want to recommend uh, B-Rad, bring him out to any event where you need to be reminded that you're great. You need to be reminded that it will take work, but you're the right person to work what's in front of you. Brad, any last words before we close? One thing I'll definitely say uh, before I get out of here is that, man, (laughs) people go to the casino all the time and they gamble on on the slot machines and blackjack, poker, all that stuff. Listen, if you put all that money on stuff and you have no idea what the probability is going to be, what the statistics are going to come out to be, why wouldn't you put all the chips on the table for yourself when you know how hard you work for whatever it is that you want in life? Like, I'm that person where I'm always going to bet on me. I don't care who else is in the room. Like, if it's, hey, who would you rather put all your money on? Me. Put it on me. All in on me. All the chips in on me because I know what I'm going to do with it. I know what's at stake. 
Like I know the legacy that I plan to leave behind. And in order for me to have everything that I say that I want and that I dream and I scheme of, and it's going to take every single day of my life to get it, to have it and to maintain it because I want it so bad. It's one of those things where I can't get it off my mind, no matter how hard I try. It literally consumes me. Yeah. But the, the amount of work that I want to do, the amount of serving that I want to do, how I want to help others, because it's, it's never just been about me. I've always wanted to help others. I've always wanted to see other people doing well. You know, I hate to see people struggling. I hated to see people not eating. So I was one of, one of those people where if somebody was hungry, I'd offer them some of my food that type of thing. I'd rather have half a sandwich and you have half a sandwich and we have full than for me to be fully fed and you're sitting there, you know, mm. starving. I could never do that. I've, I've always been that person where I just want to give, 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 and then I won't have a problem with asking. Come on. I love it. I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll give all that I have. I'll give all that I have. And to anybody that managed to, you know, listen to this recording all the way through, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. And please continue to support my man, my my friend, my you know, my ace and the whole Bernard B, man. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I call you B because you my boy, man. Like, I I know you like that. So no, y'all out there don't be calling me B. Y'all y'all don't know him like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bernard B, man, that's that's my man hundred grand, man. I, and I love you. Thank you so much for doing everything that you're doing and thank you uh, for you know inviting me on here and um just just setting the tone, you know, and, and always being a servant leader. Like there, there hasn't been a day that's gone by that I don't look at your Instagram or I don't see a post from you or I don't see something that you're doing and I don't feel inspired by it. That I don't feel that, you know, this man is definitely doing what he's supposed to be doing in life. And I'm so thankful for being a part of a community like G-Men and for there being communities like Grindation and there being communities like uh, ETA that can bring us together and connect to each other, you know, and to vibe off of each other and to have the same energy, you know, to keep people around you in your circle that are doing great things. And they want to help you to do great things as well. Because it wasn't just you doing whatever it is that you could do for yourself to better yourself. Like you wanted to help me further my career and not just as a career, but to be a better man as well. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I thank you. My family, thank you. My community, thank you. And with that, I'm saying, but I love everybody who's watching this right now. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you from the bottom of my heart. I, I inspire every last one of you to make your next day your best day. No words. You have a great rest of your day, uh, B-Rad. And thank you for the time and just pouring out your heart as we talked. Have a great day. <laughs> and I don't know any other way, B. <laughs> Go hard or get out of here. See you, You already Brad. know. 